Thank you. Thank you for the applause. I saw uh, Christine and I saw Grace and Stacy. The rest of you didn't applaud, but it's okay. I still love you. <laughs> no, thank you so much for having me. And uh, um, yeah, you know, one of these days I, we got to have uh, Pastor Jung and, and Christine and the family come out here. And you're always welcome to, if you're ever in Southern California, um, please look me up and would love to buy you a meal or coffee or something like that and, and you're always welcome to worship with us and i really consider covenant life a, a partner church in many respects and so we're in this together we're on the same side and uh, so thankful for this opportunity again i just rushed up here from my sunday service and so um it i know i'm out of shape because just walking up the steps i was <laughs> out of breath and so and uh but thank you again for uh, having me this weekend. I'm going to share my screen with you for my, um, my keynote so that you can, maybe that will be easier for you to follow along. And um, are you able to see that? Okay, you're able to see that. Okay, great. So just wanted to make sure that you're able to see that. So my message today is simply called patience. And it comes from James chapter 5 verses 7 to 12. So as you make your way there in your Bibles or in your devices, by way of background, just want to give you a little bit of context for the whole book of James. It was written by the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, his name is James, obviously. The book of James was written to really identify um, whether you have authentic faith or not. You, you know, so for a lot of people, they say they have faith. And what James would say, well, show me. Well, show me by your life. Show me by your works um, show me that uh, you have authentic faith. And so I think, you know, there are a lot of people who say I'm a genuine, I'm a Christian, but James is asking, are you really a genuine Christian? So, you know, just because you go into the garage doesn't make you a car, right? And just because you come to church uh, doesn't make you a Christian either. And so, um, and so they, people, a lot of people profess Christ, but there's no evidence of Christ in their life. And so, um, so in many respects, that's what James is saying. And so I, and I think with the global pandemic, I think it really exposes us to what we really believe. And I think like, instead of um, continuing to live life the way God has called us to live, right? Uh, we become uh, all about self-preservation instead of looking for ways to serve others, right? And instead of praying and being faithful in abiding in God's word and abiding in God's love, you know, we start um, moving away from disciplines of our life, our spiritual life. And, 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 and I think the pandemic, the COVID-19 season has really exposed us. Some of us might be even one crisis moment away from even giving up on your faith. And, and, and so um, you have to really um, reflect what do I really believe? Do I really believe in God? James was written to help us see what a genuine Christian look like. A genuine Christian understands and responds appropriately to trials, temptations, and hardships. They are patient in suffering. A genuine Christian is someone who not only hears the word of God, but is a doer of the word of God. A genuine Christian is able to control the tongue and so on and so forth. And so, um, you know, there's, there's got to be like this inner transformation. And what James is talking about is that an evidence of genuine faith is there's fruit, uh, fruit that is born in your life, right? And so, 
Um, and so we come to this uh, passage in James 5, and one of the ways in which we show genuine faith is by growing in patience, growing in patience. Let me read God's word for us for uh, today. This is God's word for you, James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. It says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. An example of suffering, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, uh, above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. And so this is God's word for you. And let me just jump right into our our message for, for, for today. Um, so again, when someone gives his or her life to Jesus, they begin to grow and change. Um, it, growth is a natural byproduct of, of a genuine faith. You should be growing naturally just because your faith is there. And, and so you begin to bear fruit in your life. The fruit of the spirit is a term uh, the Bible uses for a set of character traits. The most famous list is found in Galatians 5, you know, love, joy, peace, and then you have our word patience. Patience is a character trait that we want to look at. And the reason why I think it's relevant is because I think we live in a culture that doesn't value patience. It's a culture of almost like an impatience. And you may be feeling it. You're like, when, when am I going to get my vaccine shot? When is when is the restaurant going to open? When can I start working out at the gym? When can I start playing basketball with other people? When is this COVID uh, going to go away? When is the pandemic going to end? And not only that, on a personal level, like, you know, uh, I struggle with impatience. Uh, you know, Pastor Jung last night said something nice to me and about, it's true, I love being a dad, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not very patient with my kids sometimes, you know, and it's like there are many Sunday mornings where, you know, I'm going, I'm going, I'm waiting for the kids to um, uh, get ready for church. And I'm yelling at them, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, you know? And, and then, and then, and then I go up on the pulpit when I get to church and I'm talking about patience, right? It's, I'm such a hypocrite. I'm not very patient. And so if you even think about that, you know, if you have a computer, for example, that powers up in five seconds, but another computer that comes along and, and does the same functions, but opens up in powers up in three seconds, you realize that the first computer company is going to be out of business pretty soon. Or if a company can get you a product in three days, but another company comes along and can get you the same product in two days, or even the next day, the first company is out of business. So in a sense, even the, I don't know, the economy cultivates and encourages impatience. I'm like Amazon Prime, right? So most people, if you are like me, you don't like to wait. You don't like waiting. I know of somebody at our church who runs up the escalators because he's so impatient, which sort of defeats the purpose, right? Because the whole idea is that the escalator does the work for you, right? And I've, as I've shared, I've been impatient with my kids uh, as a pastor. I've been impatient with my church members because they're not doing what they should to grow and to obey. I've been impatient 
with what's happening in our country and in our world. Um, I mean, in so many ways, I've been exposed to seeing how impatient I really am. We live in a culture that doesn't value patience in many respects. Well, our passage that we just read today tells us about how we can get patience. And I wanna begin by asking you, what is the, the biblical understanding uh, of patience? What is the definition of patience? What is patience? The passage um, uh, that we read is basically divided into two small parts. And the first thing that it's dealing with is when you need to have patience, when you is dealing with patience with uh, difficult people, right? <laughs> and so right away, maybe you might be looking at somebody on your screen right now. Well, that person's difficult. You're just not gonna say it out loud, right? We all have difficult people in our lives. You see, uh, verse seven, eight, and nine, it uses the illustration of a farmer, right? Farmers show patience because they plant and they don't expect harvest right away. They plant and then what? They have to learn to wait. It's an example of patience. The Greek word that's used there in verses seven, eight, and nine, particularly literally means it's a word long suffering, long suffering. An example of the, an example of the opposite of long, it's such a great word. The opposite of long suffering or the lack of patience is mentioned in verse nine, where it says, you know, do not grumble, um, do not grumble against one another. Okay, it's grumbling. So grumbling you know, when you're grumbling about somebody, right? Under your breath, maybe like internal, it's a, it's a lack of patience. And so we are encouraged to not grumble. See, when people are frustrating and disappointing to you, how do you respond? How do you respond? You grumble. Grumbling is responding to people who disappoint you and who frustrate you uh, with resentment, negativity, and cynicism. Why is grumbling a lack of patience? See, one reason is, is grumbling means that it, it means you've given up on people. So instead of continuing to love them and care for them and to reach out to them, even when they disappoint you, even when they frustrate you, you give up on them, right? But, but patience means that you don't give up on them. It means because of the way in which a person has frustrated or disappointed you, you give up on them. You stop caring. You're not full of long suffering. You're not sticking with them. You are grumpy um, with them. You're grumpy about them. In other words, it's a, a lack of love. And that's why impatience is wrong. So, so it's, it has to do with patience, with difficult people, but it gives us more. The second paragraph shows us another dimension, another aspect of patience. Uh, it's, it has to do with patience with difficult circumstances. So it's not just being patient with difficult people, which we all have, but it's dealing with difficult circumstances, which we all have as well, right? Who hasn't been in a difficult, tough circumstances or situations, right? We are all full of, you know, we all have those moments in our lives, right? Challenging moments, difficult situations. But consider verse 10 uh, and 11, it says this, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And then in verse 11, it says, Behold, we consider these blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And merciful. So Job is an example here, not the farmer. The farmer was the example in the first part, but Job is the example. Job is a, 
you know, we kind of talked about him yesterday. And But Job is a character in the Bible whose problems, if you think about it, was not so much about how he was being treated by people. His problem was how he was being treated by life and by God. He didn't experience difficult people as much as maybe terrible circumstances. I mean, one disaster after another, you know, he lost his health, he lost his wealth, he lost his children, and Job is crying out to God. Job's patience uh, in, in those verses is the word perseverance or steadfastness. That's the word. So behold, it says here, we consider those blessed, right, who remain steadfast, right? You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The Greek word behind that word steadfast uh, or steadfastness, the Greek word there means to um, to stand in place, but not just to stand where you are, but it's literally to like uh, hyper stand, like, like dig deep, put your feet down, you know, and you just hyper stand in that place. It means to, it means to say, continue to endure and to stand there in spite of difficulties and in spite of challenging circumstances that come your way. Let me give you an example of that. You know, it, it would be like being in a battle and your commanding officer says to you, you stand right there and you occupy this position. No matter what the enemy throws at you, no matter how fierce the attack, you cannot retreat. You cannot give ground. You cannot even lose a step because if the enemy gets past you, everything is lost. The town behind, behind you is lost. The, the army is lost. The battle is lost. Whenever I think about that, I think about like the movie with Tom Hanks called Saving Private Ryan. Maybe you've seen it in that movie, Saving Private Ryan, towards the end, you know, they're at the scene, the Battle of Rommel was a fierce battle fought between the Americans and the German soldiers in a, in a town called Rommel. There was a bridge that the, that the Allied forces had to protect, right, in France. And the, this was during the latter stages of World War II. And so, and, and it's almost like they were bad, they had to stay there. They couldn't give up that ground, right? They had to protect that. It's like they were hyper standing you know, in the midst of all this onslaught of the German tanks and the soldiers, they're greatly outnumbered, but the, but the order was to not give in, not give up, right? You have to stand there, fight, and not to give in no matter what, to endure, to continue to stay, to stay there. This is what it means to hyperstand. In other words, what the Bible is saying is that when circumstances are terribly disappointing, infuriating, and life goes wrong, Patience is to unflinchingly live the way you had ought to live, to do the things that you ought to do, to be the person you know you should be in Christ anyway. You know, the promises that we talked about are real. I believe that. Yes, the best is yet to come, right? But you're in the here and the now. And when circumstances and hardships come, and some of you, as we talked about over the weekend, you may be in a tough situation. And it's so tempting and so easy to kind of give in to those temptations. It's so easy for you to just, because life is hard or because relationships are hard or because, you know, just circumstances are not going your way for you to just say, oh, heck with it. Oh, forget it. I'm just going to do it my way. I'm just going to do, you know, I'm just going to give up on God. I'm going to do, give in to sin. I'm going to do whatever I want. And that is not what it means to be patient. You live the way you ought to live. You be the person you ought to be. That's what it means to be biblically patient. It's to hyperstand, to stay put, not give up. 
So the two aspects of patience, according to the book of James, are being it's, it's patience with difficult people, right? Responding to difficult people with forgiveness and grace and patience with difficult circumstances, which is responding with difficult, when di where circumstances are difficult with, I would say with courage and with trust, right? Now, here's the thing. You know, why does the Bible make this such a big deal? Why is it such a big deal? I mean, like, okay, uh, I'll, uh, yeah, of course I'm a little impatient, but you know, it's just, a, it's not a big deal, right? But when you further look upon this passage and reflect upon it, the Bible uh, makes a big deal because it depicts, it depicts impatience as a terrible evil and sin. Look at verse nine with me. It says, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge with a capital J is standing at the door. I was reading about this on the commentary and I was like, you know, that's interesting. It seems like kind of out of place. Why, why does this? But it says the judge is standing at the door. He he brings in, James brings in judgment day, you know, Terminator. He brings in judgment day. He says, we will be condemned for our impatience. Yes, condemned and judged for impatience. In other words, if you are impatient, it's, a, it's, a, it's sinful, right? And so you're going to be condemned. So here's why it's so serious, right? Every single day, I bet you, every single day, in fact, maybe almost, almost every hour, you're going to meet people uh, you know, who are going to be tough to deal with, people who just touch the, you know, who pushes the, the wrong buttons in you, people who, are in, who frustrate you, disappoint you, dis and, and it just, you know, you, it disillusions you, right? And, and, and you're just dealing with people all the time, whether it's in your workplace, your classmates, even in the same church, your small groups, that it's just hard for you to deal with because they're just different or whatever the reason, maybe they're not, you know, uh, they don't think the same as you, but you meet frustrating, disappointing people all every day. And the circumstances too, you're gonna to be very frustrated, disappointed every day with something or with someone. Sometimes it happens not only every day, but it seems like every hour, right? But when that happens, you have to respond in your heart. There's one of two ways to respond when disappointments happen or when you're dealing with difficult people. Either you can trust God or you can trust yourself. You can trust, or you can respond to the difficulty either by trusting God or trusting yourself. And the first way you can respond is, which is I think the right way, what I'm trying to encourage you to do is you can trust God. When bad things happen to you, but here's what you need to say. You have to say the Lord knows. I mean, the Lord is wise and good. I would never have chosen this for myself, but he has. He knows what he's doing. I don't, you know. Uh, when difficult circumstances come, you think of Romans 8.28 again, right? Think about the promises of God. All things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, right? I think about God's sovereignty. I think about God's providence. He is God. I'm not. He knows what he's doing, right? Or when difficult people come into my life, I trust him and I say, this is someone that maybe God wants me to reach out to and pray for. These people are heavenly sandpaper in my life. They are shaping me or sanctifying me, right? The difficult people that come teaching me to be patient. It's easy to, easy to love people who are lovable and beautiful, but really hard to love people who are hard to love. But isn't that what Christ in the gospel has done for us? He loved the unlovable, the undeserving, right? Impatience is a huge lack of humility, guys. 
You need to humble yourself and say, you know, I don't know, but God knows. God is God, and I would find, I'm going to find rest nowhere but in his will. That will is infinitely, immeasurably, unspeakably beyond my largest notions of what he's up to. I think, friends, if you can speak that into your heart like that, you're going to uh, get calm and peace and rest and joy. Yeah, you can have joy. Are you restless? Are you not? Do you not have joy? Do you not have peace in your life? I mean, you have Christ. You have, you know, you have Jesus. You have all the promises. Remember those promises. And, and you can develop patience. When, when the world is chaotic and the waves are coming upon you, you can be at peace. You can have joy and peace. The other thing you can do when bad things happen to you or when hard people come to you, the other thing that you shouldn't do is you can just trust your own wisdom. Instead of trusting God in his wisdom, you can trust what you think should happen, what you think other, you know, everybody deserves. You can trust your wisdom uh, and yourself rather than God. But if you learn to be patient and trust God, it eventually leads to peace, rest, calm, the ability to forgive, and so on and so forth. So that's a, a picture of a biblical understanding of patience and why it really matters. Let me move on to the second point, and that is the development of patience. And this is my last point, but underneath it, um, I've got two points. So I tricked you. It's not two points, but it's really four points, 4.5 points and stuff. And so, but here's where um, it is. How do you develop patience, right? How do you develop, in other words, how do you grow uh, this fruit of patience? How do you grow in patience? Well, the first thing is you meditate on what Jesus has done in the past. You just meditate on what Jesus has done in the past. I think all of Bible is it points to Jesus Christ. The meta narrative throughout the scripture is gospel centric. It points to Jesus Christ. It's redemptive historical, and and Jesus is not just our justification, but he's also uh, our sanctification, right? And he doesn't just save you, but he changes you. And by looking at Jesus and what he's done for us, it changes us. It changes us. Look at verses ten and eleven. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfast of Job. You've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. I know we've read that several times, but there's so much there. See, if you, wanna, if you want to see how patience is developed, you have to look at the cross and keep looking and meditating deeply at Jesus. Don't just look, but stare. I mean, like you just... You just zone, you just stare. You know, don't just glance at the cross, right? Now, it's like when my wife first saw me, she didn't just glance, she stared at me. Who is this handsome fella, right? Let's move on anyways. But like, you know, like you got to stare at Jesus, right? You got to stare deeply at who he is and what he's done for you. So for example, look at Job, right? Again, the example is, look, Job, Look at the ultimate Job, right? The better Job, the one to whom Job points to. Yeah, this, you know, that would be Jesus. Jesus is always the better Abraham, the better David, the better everything, right? Even in my most holiest moments, right? And I think in my most holy, most godly moments, there's a better Justin, and that's Jesus. Jesus is better than any one of us, right? Where we failed, Christ prevailed, right? And so this is, uh, Jesus is our example. See, Job suffered. But there's no one that is innocent, right? No one that is sinless except for Jesus. There's only really one 
person that's ever truly good, and that is Jesus. Job suffered, but he wasn't fully innocent. Only Jesus is the true Job because Jesus and he alone is the only absolutely perfectly innocent sufferer. Only think about this, guys. Jesus lived, only he lived a perfect life, a totally innocent life. There was a reason why John the Baptist pointed out Jesus and said, look, that is the Lamb of God, the unblemished Lamb of God. Like unblemished, pure, and sinless, blameless. Only Jesus loved the Lord with all of his heart, soul, strength, and mind. Only Jesus loved his neighbors uh, as himself fully and perfectly. So only Jesus deserved an incredible, great life, but he got a terrible life. He took our punishment and became sin for us. He died the horrible death that we deserve. He was misunderstood. Uh, He was poor. He was rejected, betrayed, denied. And finally, he was arrested on false charges, tortured and killed. But through all of that agony and pain, think about it. He was perfectly patient. He was the only innocent sufferer. Jesus is the only Job, really, the true Job, who really deserved a great life, but got a terrible life. And during the whole time, he was perfectly and absolutely patient. You might say that all the forces of darkness and and evil and hell was coming down on him, and yet he stood his ground. It's almost like he knew that we were behind him, behind the cross. And if the darkness and evil got past him, we would be lost. So what did he do? He obeyed. He said, what? Uh, Not my will, but yours be done. That's patience. He stood his ground hyperstanding. He went to the cross and obeyed his father. And on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, this is not a defiant complaint. This, that's just an agony of lost love. You know? I mean, if you think about it, he had the opportunity. Jesus on the cross said he could have, you know, called down legions of angels to, you know, if I was in Jesus's place, I would be like, oh, heck with this, right? I came for the benefit of these people, but look what they're doing. They're betrayal. They're they're trying to kill me. Forget it. You know, I'm going to call my angels. I'm going to blast these guys, and then I'm going to start all over on planet Pluto. Well, Pluto's not a planet anymore, but a planet Mars, right? Start all over, right? He didn't do that. He was patient. Why did he do it? Why was he perfectly patient? See, when Jesus went to the cross, he died for our sins and took the punishment that we deserve. Right? Let me give it even more specifically because you got you to see this. Jesus, through his perfect patience, atoned for our impatience so that the Father can be endlessly patient with us, never giving up on us, letting us down and pulling back from us even when we fail him. You know, I can't tell you how many times I, I'm, I've been impatient. Impatient in my marriage, impatient with my kids, impatient in, with people in the church, impatient with circumstances. I'm not as holy as I, I would like for you to think. And, and, and I make mistakes all the time. I'm so sinful. But I want to grow in patience. But I'm telling you, I can't be perfectly patient. But it's incredibly uplifting and it's encouraging and empowers me to keep moving forward because I know that even when I am impatient, the father doesn't destroy me. He doesn't give up on me. He doesn't pull back from me. 
even when I fail in this area, because Jesus' son was perfectly patient for me. You talk about long-suffering, right? <laughs> Those of you who are parents, I mean, you know, you know what it means to have long-suffering when, when you're parenting your kids, right? You suffer a lot when you have, when some of your kids, you know. Uh, but look at Jesus Christ. Talk about holding his ground, even when all the forces of darkness were coming down. You take that, you meditate on that, you think upon that, you don't just glance at it, but you stare at it. When troubles are happening to you, think about that. Jesus, perfectly patient, he did it for me so that I could be patient in these tough situations, whatever storms that come into my life. Or when a difficult person is just causing havoc, maybe people are unfairly um, criticizing you. Maybe your boss is talking smack about you or just gossip about you. Even when in those situations, you know, it's undeserving, but think about it. Jesus, you know, died for us who are deserving of sin. He was undeserving of it. If you see Jesus saving you through his infinite patience and undeserved suffering, right? Uh, that through his perfect patience, atone for your impatience so that God can be infinitely patient with you to the end, no matter how you live, even when you fall down, he will be patient with you because Jesus did that, right? You'll grow in patience when you look at Jesus and, and meditate on that. Look at Jesus trusting God under infinite pressure for you. That'll make it possible for you to trust Jesus when you're under infinite pressure. So uh, meditate on what he has done for you in the past, his redemptive work uh, for us on the, in the past. But lastly, and finally, secondly, meditate on what Jesus is gonna do in the future in the future. Look at verses seven and eight. It says, be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the rate lands. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Here's how you develop patience, not just by looking at Jesus, what he's done for us in the past, but what, look at what he's gonna do in the future, right? So when troubles happen with difficult people or difficult situations, you meditate and you pray, right? Meditate, first of all, on what Jesus did in the past, but you meditate also on what's going to happen in the future. Of course, we talked about that. The best is yet to come, right? The best is yet to come. He's coming in, in our text. He, it's talking about how he's coming again. Be patient because the Lord is coming back. And that's an encouragement because we know how it all ends. We know how it ends. You know, I like reading. I wish I had more time to read. Uh, you know, I just, I, I like reading. I was an English major. I told you that. And I wish I had more time to read. I'm not like a cerebral intellectual, like, you know, but I just love reading. On my days off on Mondays, I try to read more books that are not theological or commentary or anything for church. I like reading novels and things like that. And uh, I like reading, um, you might find it kind of weird. My wife thinks it's weird, but I like reading the endings a lot before I even start <laughs> the book. <laughs> so I remember like reading to the Hunger Games, uh, you know, before the movie, like it, it was, I, I watched the first movie. I kind of thought it was weird, but then I read the whole series in a matter of like, like 
three or four days because I just couldn't put it down. It was really good. The Hunger Games, right? Better than the movies. But but I went to the end. I was like, oh my gosh, what is Katniss Everdeen going to do? Is, is she going to end up with Peter or, or Gail? Like, which one is, is she going to end up marrying? And then, you know, it was, you know, the train has such great food and and who, who what is Hamish going to do? And like, you know, I, I wanted to know what's going on at the end of each book, right? And And people were like, you know, you're so dumb. Why would you do that? You're ruining it all. But you know, for me, I like it because I realize I don't like, I'm curious, but I don't like, I don't like the suspense. <laughs> I, I'm such, I'm such a wuss. I, I don't like handling the suspense and the drama in the middle. Right. Um, I, let me share with you. A lot of people uh, know this about me, but I'm a huge uh, hockey fan, right? In Virginia, I used to play a little bit of like um, street hockey because we didn't have a lot of ice rinks, but and you know, I'm sure in Minneapolis, everybody roots for the Minnesota Wild. That's not my team. My team is the Washington Capitals, and I, I hope I don't I don't lose you because every time I talk about hockey at my church, people just roll their eyes and they persecute me and and stuff like that. But hockey is one of the greatest sports in the Milky Way. I mean, you're talking about a, a collision of force and brutality, all of that done with speed on on thin skates of ice, you know, uh, on, on blades on ice. It's, it's the greatest sport on earth. And so, uh, and my favorite team growing up was the Washington Capitals. And, and for many years, they were like a, a great team and they always did well for the last like 15 years. They were like amazing regular season, but when they got to the playoffs, they would choke, right? They would, they would mess up and they wouldn't win the champion. They'd never won the championship, right? But there was one year, about two years ago uh, or so, two years ago, um, my Washington Capitals, uh, they didn't have a good regular season, but in the playoffs, they just started playing so well. And they would always like lose to the Pittsburgh Penguins, but they beat the Penguins. And, and I couldn't believe it. They passed uh, the first round. They went to the second round, right? And, and then they got to the third round. They won and they made it to the Lord Stanley Cup finals for the second time ever but they never won the championship and when the stanley cups the championship series against the vegas golden knights were about to start i had to go on this darn mission trip oh my gosh such wrong timing right like we had to go on a mission trip to hiroshima japan and i was like thinking of like ways like seriously this is how sinful i am i was like how can i get out of this mission trip but I was leading the trip <laughs> and I was the team leader. I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to go? How am I going to focus on this mission trip while the championship game is going on between my beloved Capitals against uh, the v Vegas Golden Knights? And so long story short, this is my favorite player in the world. He's a Russian guy. His name is Alex Ovechkin, one of the greatest scorers of all time. And he's the captain of my team. And so, and I was, you know, every night, when I, when I could, when the Caps were playing, I'll be like on Wi-Fi. I couldn't watch the games in real time, but I was refreshing the game, refreshing the game and things like that. And, and this is a true story. Like one time, you know, the Caps lost the first game, but they won the second and the third. And then the fourth and fifth game, like I, I couldn't focus on ministry. There was an event that we were doing and somebody was giving a testimony as we were sharing, as she was sharing her testimony with a bunch of people at this small little church. I wanted to know what the score was. So I grabbed uh, one of the women's babies. Oh, I'll take care of the baby for you. And then, uh, and then I went outside just so that I could 
watch what the score was. I know, I know. I hope you don't judge me, but I'm sure you have already. But and then when I found that the Caps won, I was jumping for joy and I started crying. Literally, you know, I was so passionate. It's probably like Pastor John crying when the Chicago Cubs won. Maybe I think he's a Cubs fan. And and I started tearing up and crying. And my team members were like, oh my gosh, you're so touched by this testimony, right? <laughs> but I was crying. I told him because my capitals won. And my teammates were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this and stuff. And, and so that's what happened. But before I left the trip, you know, uh, I missed all the games, but I, I have, you know, something called YouTube TV. So I was able to, you know, pre-record all the games. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because when I went back, I sat down and I, as soon as I un unpacked, I sat down and I rewatched all the games that I missed, right? And here's what, you know, you know where I'm going with this. Like when the Caps were lose, they lost game one. I was like, no problem. It's okay. I wasn't stressed out or anxious at all. I was patient. And even in games two and three, they fell behind in those games. But like in real life, I'd be like, oh my gosh, what the heck are you guys doing? But in games two and three, I was like, capture behind my two goals. No problem. It's okay. Because here's the reason why. I knew the ending already. I knew the future, if you will. In other words, I was just fine because I already knew the full outcome. I could withstand the difficulty and the tension in the middle of the games because I already had peace regarding the outcome and the ending. You dig? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Here's my defense. I think God does the same thing. He, say, you know, he says, look, remember verses 7 and 8 that we read, until the coming of the Lord. He's saying, be patient until, because he's coming back until the coming of the Lord. He's going to resurrect you. Again, here's more, you know, best, uh, yes, is yet to come stuff. He's going to resurrect you from the dead, make everything right. And if you trust in him, all the deepest desires of your heart will be fulfilled on that day. Every injustice will be put to right. And when you consider the past and what Jesus has done, and you consider the future and what Jesus will do, and when there's a difficult person or a difficult situation, you can grow and be patient. But even if you're not, you can have faith that God is infinitely patient with you, knowing how things will all end. He tells you the ending of the novel, the ending of the game, so you can handle the suspense in the middle part. Yeah, it's tough and difficult. But you know, in the end, justice will be done and you will be fulfilled. And that's the reason why he says, be patient because the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Covenant life, church, remember to be patient, to grow in patience, whatever you're going through, even in the midst of this pandemic. Do the things that you once did and keep doing the things you know is right before the eyes of the Lord. Don't run away from community, but run to community and continually worship and continually obey and live out God's truth and grow in patience. Even, through the, even though the days might be hard, even though difficult people are all around us, be patient 
The Lord is coming. And consider what the Lord has already done for you. Let me pray for us. Father, Lord, thank you so much for your word and for your, uh, just your patience for us, for God. Jesus, we admit, we acknowledge, we confess that we are impatient. We are so undeserving of your patience and your grace for us. But Lord, you love us and you shower us, Lord, with your patience. Help us, for God, to extend grace to those that need it, Lord, and to be patient and to still be filled with genuine faith and trust and peace and joy, even in difficult moments and situations that come our way. As we consider what you have done for us uh, through your perfect living and your horrible dying for us and your resurrection, and as we consider the future, Jesus, that you will come back again that you're gonna make all things right and that you're gonna um, glorify your people and that we're gonna spend forever and a day in glory, God. When that is before us, for God, we know that we can be able to be filled with steadfastness, to persevere, to endure, to be full of long suffering, to be patient. Lord, help Covenant Life Church to be a patient church full of patient people, loving people, and enduring through difficult seasons. Help us to bear fruit, to bear fruit, because bearing fruit is an evidence of a genuine faith. We thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.